of Aragon, chapter 16. journey back to London was a miserable one. The fine weather had broken and it rained constantly. Every night we were having to dry our clothes in front of the fire and towel our hair dry. We didn't speak much. It seemed that everything had been said and we were both deep in our own thoughts. I was raging against the unfairness of men and as for Will, he was impossible to read. I didn't know what he was thinking. I feared that he was thinking I was too much trouble to wed. He was an ambitious man who wanted to get on. Being saddled with a king's bastard for a wife might not be politically advantageous. Of course, nobody knew at the moment. But what if they found out? I didn't know. But the court was a cruel place where people were forced out because of their connections with one side or another. Was he willing to take that risk? Will and I agreed that we could not tell anyone about Meg's last message. I knew that Queen Catherine was hurt by the attention King Henry had paid to his bastard son. If she knew I was also his bastard, what would she think of me? I didn't want to incur her anger. Also, there was no guarantee that the king would recognise me as his. After all, what did I have? A servant girl's story and a royal handkerchief. I might even be accused of stealing. Best to forget that wild, improbable story. I put the whole week in Sussex to the back of my mind and tried not to think of it. I couldn't help my thoughts of Will, though. We had been so close during that journey through the green hills. I had felt for a moment that maybe I could, maybe would one day become his wife. But the discovery of my parenthood had turned me against marriage again. Why should I put myself under the authority of any man, even one that I adored? Queen Catherine was the highest in the land, but still she was subject to the king's whims, infidelities and cruelties. I wanted none of it. I was resolved to stay a maid and stay with the queen. I saw Will quite often, and he was friendly, but a bit reserved. I wondered whether we would ever be close again, as we had been. Sometimes I feared that Will might find a maid that he liked, and leave me behind. But if that happened, I would have to accept it and let him go on his way. It wasn't fair to keep him hanging on. Queen Catherine asked me what had happened in Sussex. Did you find out who your mother was? She asked. I have been praying for you, Kat. I answered truthfully. No, Your Majesty. The woman had just died and her story with her. Oh, my dear Kat, I am so sorry. But remember, you will always have a home with me until you get married. I nodded and returned to my sewing. 
We'll cook now. He is a coming man, the queen observed, training to be a lawyer. He would be a good match for you, cat. Would you like me to have a word with Master Cromwell? Thank you, Your Majesty, but not now. I'm not ready to wed. The Queen shrugged her shoulders. So be it, but there will come a time, Cat, when you must. It was quiet and sombre that autumn in the Queen's household. We heard that Wolsey had been arrested for treason. He was in York and started the long journey back to London under guard. Treason? What treason? The cardinal has been for the king at every turn. He has intrigued against me, but not the king. The queen was at first surprised by what had happened, but later she learnt more. He is accused of treason for advising the king to treat me with respect. Of course, he advises that if the king does not treat me properly, the Pope may have to excommunicate him. That is a simple fact, and Wolsey knows it. I cannot believe it, Cat. He and his bullies spent years trying to force me to go into a nunnery, and now, because he may have said a word in my favour, he is a traitor. The world is strange indeed, Cat. The Queen was getting frightened now. Before, she had always believed that there were limits to what the King could do to her. He had loved her for nearly twenty years. They had had many children together. As a chivalrous King, he would not, could not, physically harm her. But now he had turned on Wolsey, his oldest friend and supporter, why should he not turn on her? She knew that she was protected to some extent by being the aunt of the Holy Roman Emperor, but she also knew that she would never ask him to invade or do any harm to England or the English people. Henry knew that. And in the contest between the great kings of Europe, one ageing queen was not worth a full-scale war. Her case was still in Rome, awaiting the Pope's verdict but very little seemed to be happening. She was still the same gracious queen that I knew for much of the time. She loved sewing, and I would read to her as she embroidered altar cloths and sacred vestments. I noticed she was no longer sewing the king's shirts. Cat, the Lady Anne was angry with the king, she said, smiling ironically. She heard that he hath requested me to make more shirts for him, and she roasted him alive. Poor man, he is not used to being treated like that. I thought that that was exactly what he deserved, but Queen Catherine would never say something like that. As far as she was concerned, King Henry was her husband, and she owed him her respect. News came that Wolsey had died on the way down to London. He had refused to eat and, already ill, had turned his head to the wall and given up. He knew what was coming and could not bear it. The Tower of London and a traitor's death. Not that he was afraid of death, 
but to be cast out by the king was more than he could bear. The queen arranged for special masses to be said for his soul. He was not my friend, but he was a faithful servant to the king, and as such I honour him. Soon cat all of those who speak for me will face what Wolsey faced. I fear that. Surely not, Your Majesty, I reassured, but I was not certain. The Queen was worried about Princess Mary. She wrote, saying that she was suffering from terrible stomach pains, much worse than the pain she normally got with her courses. Queen Catherine wrote back immediately with remedies that might help, prayers and the promise of a visit from a trusted apothecary. It was so hard for her to be away from her daughter and she cried at night sometimes and hugged me to her as if I could somehow take away the pain. I still visited the Lady Anne to play music with her, maybe once a week. She had a group of young courtiers who liked to compose and play music. I was included because of my singing voice, which, Lady Anne said, was unusually pure. It was exhilarating for me to be able to sing and lose myself in the beautiful songs I was singing. It was then I started to write simple songs, sometimes with accompaniments for the lute, the virginals or the flute. They would all make a fuss of me, as if I was a pet dog, almost patting me on the head. Actually, Lady Anne had a dog called Pourquoi, who, alongside me, was patted by all. He had this habit of putting his head to one side, as if he was asking a question, which was why she had given him his name. I loved it in Lady Anne's chambers. I loved hearing the poetry, the extravagant declarations of love, the harmony of the singing voices. I loved the religious debate and how that spilled into wider discussions about education, the role of women, the rights of the common people. All the young courtiers went there now. Her brother George was there all the time. He and Lady Anne were almost inseparable. I also saw Thomas Wyatt, Henry Norris and William Brereton. Thomas Cromwell came occasionally and brought Will with him, which meant we had a chance to talk sometimes. Increasingly, the king would visit and join in with the singing. Sometimes he would help with the composition of a new song or poem. He often ate with Lady Anne in the afternoons while we entertained them. We didn't discuss politics so much when he was there. I think we were all aware that this was a risky topic, best left to those close to the king. It was April time when the king came to Lady Anne's chambers, waving a letter in his beringed hand. My lady, I have heard from Princess Mary. She talks of wanting to visit me. I am minded to agree. I have not seen her for many months. He looked down at the letter, rereading it to himself. Lady Anne took the letter from his hand. What does she have to say? Why should she see you? She is just a bastard. Inwardly, I flinched at that term. That was just what I was. But surely Princess Mary could not be made illegitimate. Lady Anne did not like Princess Mary. I knew that. But she could be cruel. 
I told myself that this was because she felt so insecure in herself and that once she and the king were married, it would cease. Don't be a fool, Henry. See here, she says she wishes to be with her mother and you at Greenwich Palace. You must refuse her. It is just a game of playing happy families. Once you are all together, they will conspire to change your mind. Henry, you must not let them deceive you like this. You are too soft on them. This is all her mother's doing, and you know she is always outwitting you. Do not give in to their wiles. Tell her she stays where she is. We were all embarrassed by this. To see the king, our lord, being scolded by a woman in front of the masked courtiers was unprecedented. Yes, the queen had sometimes been angry with him, but always in private. In public, she had behaved with the utmost civility and obedience. Yet here was Lady Anne talking to him as if he was a naughty schoolboy. He even bowed his head and looked ashamed, which I'd never seen before. Maybe he was tiring of Anne, though, because a few days later he came to the Queen's chambers to dine. As always, the Queen welcomed him with great ceremony and ordered his favourite foods and wines. It was a private occasion, with just us chamberwomen in attendance. The pair talked quietly, even laughing occasionally. It seemed like they were in harmony at last. Do you remember when Mary told the French ambassador she wanted to kiss him? The Queen asked. She thought he was the Dauphin. King Henry smiled at the memory. Yes, she was always forward for her age, Mary. Clever like me and you, Catherine. And with my Tudor colouring, she is a good girl. Sir, she wrote to me recently, the Queen said hesitantly. She knew he would probably snap at her, but she was a mother and she wanted to see her daughter. She would like so much to see us both. She misses you, sir, and she needs her father and mother's love. How if she were to come to Greenwich for a few weeks? She would be a help to me and a pleasure to you. The king's face became less amiable. He set his wine goblet down deliberately and spoke roughly. If you want to see your daughter, madam, you can see her elsewhere. You will not see her with me. The queen bowed her head. In that case, sir, I will not see her. I would not go without my husband. Husband? When will you get it into your head? I am not your husband, he snapped. Don't try any of your tricks on me, madam. I am wise to them. You want us to be a family, but we were never a family. Understand that. You may visit your daughter whenever you wish, but it will be without me. He got up, threw his napkin on the table and left the room. The Queen took her napkin, smoothed it out and also left the room in total silence. She may not have been beaten, but she had taken an almighty blow and it was almost too hard for her to bear. I followed her into the next chamber, 
where she was sitting with her head in her hands. She looked up at me and spoke bitterly. It was her, Anne Boleyn, that made him do this. My Henry would never have refused me this. He loves Princess Mary. She is his blood. That woman has bewitched him. So what can I do, Kat? What can I do? I looked down at the floor. I believed now that Anne Boleyn would become queen. So how to protect Queen Catherine? How to make sure she would be treated with dignity? How to stop these terrible scenes with the king, where she was always rejected the most cruelly? I took a deep breath. She would not like what I was going to say, but maybe I could at least make her think. Your Majesty, my Queen, you will always be England's Queen and we will all respect you as such. But maybe it is the time to retire to a convent? You would be allowed to take your ladies. We wouldn't leave you. You'd be treated with dignity and respect, just as you deserve. I say this because I love you and I don't want you to suffer. Please, Your Majesty, I beg you. I knelt down in front of her, my hands clasped as if in prayer. She looked down at me. I was expecting anger, but there was only coldness. You cannot love me, Cat, if you expect me to make a bargain with that whore. I have told you many times I am married in the eyes of God to my husband, King Henry. But he doesn't love you anymore, I cried out. Stop pretending he will come back to you sometime. He won't. He has cast you aside as he has cast others aside. Ah, so now, Kat, you are comparing me with Bessie Blount or Lady Mary Carey. Just a discarded mistress to be married on or retired. How can you even imagine I am like them? You can have no respect for me if you do this, even though you pretend to love me. Her eyes were stony as she looked down on me. I, I do love you, Your Majesty. You have meant everything to me, I said quietly. I just wish that you would leave this poisonous place. Go to the country, visit your friends, be happy with Princess Mary. It would be easier for her without having to pick sides between you and the king. You cannot love me. You stand there and abuse the king, who is God's anointed ruler and has ruled over all of us for many years with fairness and justice. You cast doubt on my sacred destiny to be queen. You deny the meaning of the solemn marriage and coronation oaths. You do not understand me, Kat. The truth was I didn't understand her. I didn't understand why she still fought for the king after how he had treated her. I didn't understand why she couldn't just take the easier path for everyone, including herself and her daughter. And although I had royal blood, I had not been brought up to revere the man who was my father. Indeed, I hated him 
for what he had done to Queen Catherine and to the poor serving maid, whoever she was, who had given birth to me. I'm sorry, Your Majesty, I didn't mean to cause you pain. You are right, I don't understand you, but I still love you. Queen Catherine sighed. Yes, Cat, I know that. I love you too, but I am too old-fashioned for you now. You are young. You want to be part of the new court that is growing up around Lady Anne. You would be better in her household. No, Your Majesty, I want to stay with you, I insisted. Queen Catherine shook her head. Cat, you have been visiting the Lady Anne for a long time now. I know that she would like you in her household. But I don't want to go, I cried. I beg you, do not dismiss me. I clutched at the hem of her gown as if it might have magic properties, as if by touching it I could somehow change her mind. You enjoy being with the Lady Anne, no? She flatters your singing. She treats you as a lady and not a servant. You have your future with her, my dear. I would not hold you back. She leant down and gently detached my hand from her gown. Cat, you are young and talented. Go with the other young people. My fight will only hold you back, my dear. It is time to let go. With that, she gathered her skirts about her and left me alone in the chamber, my future suddenly up in the air. That night, I was in the maid's dormitory for the first time for many months. Of course, I didn't sleep after what had happened. The Queen did not wish to see me, and the ladies-in-waiting were cool. No one would question the Queen's decision to fight on, even if they could see that she would lose the battle. Yes, she might persuade the Pope to support her, but the discussions that went on around the court were increasingly along the lines of if he won't do it, then we shall just have to do it for ourselves. After all, not everywhere in Europe was under the Pope's sway. Nowadays, the reformers were talking about setting up an English church, ruled by the English people under the command of the English king. Five years ago, it would have seemed revolutionary, but now it was one of the choices that the king could make. I got up early and packed a bag with my belongings. Some shifts, some coifs, a couple of good gowns, my silver cup and the brooch the Queen had given me. I still had my golden crucifix, which I wore all the time, a couple of books about the scriptures and my much-loved book of hours. I remember reading it aloud to the Queen. I opened it up and a bookmark fell out that she had embroidered for me. I sat on the floor clutching it and the tears flowed down my face. I thought about going back and begging the Queen to change her mind, but I knew that she had made her decision and she was not a woman to waver. She knew I had no appetite for the fight that was to come and, to be honest, a part of me was relieved. I did want to spend more time with Lady Anne and the glamorous courtiers who surrounded her. I did want to be there when all of the new ideas were debated. If I'd stayed with Queen Catherine... 
I would have felt that I was being left behind. I picked up the bag, took one long last look around the chambers that had been my home for so long and walked away. I didn't go directly to Lady Anne's chambers. Instead, I made my way to the administrative offices in the palace where Thomas Cromwell and Will were often to be found. Will was on his own in his small chamber, chewing on a hunk of dry bread and reading a grubby, much-thumbed manuscript. Cat! He jumped up when he saw me and moved a pile of books from a chair. Sit down, dear cat. What brings you here? I knew this was where you worked sometimes. I hoped I might catch you. I started to shake with emotion. Cat, you will always catch me. But what is the matter? Concerned, he raised me from the chair and wrapped his arms around me. And it was then that the dam broke. All of the feelings that I'd had over the last couple of years suddenly came to the surface. I cried out, the Queen has told me to leave. And with that, I started to bawl, feeling the deep grief of being rejected by a woman I had considered as a second mother. Will held me for a moment and then passed me a handkerchief. His face was concerned as he said, What happened, Cat? The Queen loves you. She would not tell you to go. My words tumbled out in a tearful flood. I tried to persuade her to retire into a nunnery. It was because I love her will. I didn't want her to suffer any more, and I was scared. Scared? Will queried, looking troubled. The Queen thinks she might go the same way as Cardinal Wolsey. She thinks she will be a martyr, Will. And I just don't understand why she doesn't just give up. It isn't worth risking her life for. Will looked thoughtful. It's not her nature to give up, he said. Some might call it stubbornness. Others might say she has principles. It's not up to me to judge. But it is the ordinary people that will suffer when the kingdom divides. King against queen, evangelicals against the pope. That is why I tried to persuade her will, and that is why she made me leave. She's told me to find employment with Lady Anne, but just now I feel as if my world has ended. I cannot bear it that she's rejected me. My heart hurts so much. I put the handkerchief to my eyes and howled. For a few moments I was like a wild animal in pain, unreachable in my agony. Will waited and still I started to quieten down and then took both of my hands in his. They felt warm and strong and I clasped onto them as if I was drowning. Slowly the tears stopped, although I was still shuddering like a small child recovering from a tantrum. He spoke calmly and clearly. She hasn't rejected you, Cat. I am sure you will see more of Queen Catherine. But she's hurting badly, and in her mind you've rejected her. Yes, it was for her sake, and you genuinely want her to be happy. But in her mind, that puts you with those who would bully and denigrate her. She is very wounded. I pulled away. But Will, so you have sympathy for her? I thought you wanted her to retire to a convent. 
I asked. He smiled ruefully. Indeed I do, Cat. But I would not be human if I did not feel sorry for her and have some admiration for her courage. And I know she's important to you, and so she's important to me. This calmed me a little, and I took a deep breath. Now I had to decide what to do next. So I suppose I'll go to the Lady Anne and ask her to take me on, I said, wondering what the outcome would be. Yes, she had oft times said she would like me to join her household, but had she been serious? You could always marry me, Will teased, his smiling eyes showing he wasn't serious. No, I know, Cat, you don't ever want to marry. But here's a plan. Come back with me to Master Cromwell's house tonight. You can sleep with the maidservants there. You can have a couple of days to think about things. Maybe ask Master Cromwell for his advice. Then we can send a letter to the Lady Anne asking for employment. She likes you, I know. She will welcome you. And then I'll be able to see you almost every day. Don't groan, cat. I will not get in your way. It will just be good to have you in the new court next to Lady Anne.